I'm here because I believe in here. I don't want to go and save another country. Mm. I want to save my own country. Right, you, you know, sections of the Nigerian public have turned him into a caricature. You know, the anarchists who wants to burn everything down, who wants to overturn a democratically elected government. And he is presently at war <laughs> with the government of the Federal Republic of Nigeria, the same country that he's running to lead. Had it been possible to kill me the night I was arrested, they would have done it. He might appear to be a man of contradictions, but he's also a man of substance. Omoyele Shoere, presidential candidate, publisher of Sahara Reporters, former president of the Student Union Government of the University of Lagos, an activist for almost more than 30 years. And what has emerged from this conversation is a thoughtful, incisive analysis of the Nigerian situation recommendations of solutions and pathways that come from a mind that has carefully studied his country, compared his country to most nations of the world, and arrived at an unshakable conclusion. This country needs to experience an uprising. His activism, his mission, his fight is costing him plenty. Why does he continue what some say is a quixotic fight for a nation that will never change? Today, Showare will answer you. Let's get right into business. <laughs> the case, the ongoing issue with the government is confusing. Yeah. <laughs> it's very confusing. Because as far as the public knows, December 2019, this whole thing was supposed to have ended. Yeah. But then it continues. What is happening? For the lay person who is not following politics actively, yes. what is happening? This is what exactly happened. The government had the intention of keeping me in detention beyond December of... Uh, 2019. Mm -hmm. Around December 6, 2019, I was kidnapped from the courtroom. Mm -hmm. And then there was an uproar. Uh, but they had already obtained what they wanted from the judge. Right. Which is a conviction uh, that was non-custodial. Okay. Non-custodial in the sense that, mm -hmm. yeah, they can't keep me in custody anymore, mm -hmm. but they have been able to convict me Mm -hmm. somehow right. to be restricted to Abuja, the yes. federal capital territory. Yes. Where of course they can plan other things. Mm -hmm. That's all they wanted because mm -hmm. they never had a case. Mm -hmm. uh, they, they've looked at it, even their legal advisors and everybody has told them there's no case here. Mm -hmm. I, can't. I mean as of twenty nineteen December. Oh let me say as of twenty twenty uh, end of 2020 mm -hmm. and 2021, mm -hmm. they were only able to present a witness who said clearly that he merely observed a civil action somewhere mm -hmm. in Lagos as okay. a DSS officer. Mm -hmm. So that shows clearly that he had nothing to, mm -hmm. uh, to prove that I committed any crime.
So for did for them, this is what they somehow wanted, wanted yes. to keep you in Abuja. To keep me in Abuja, yes, and then expose me to all kinds of uh, state and non-state actors. Yeah. Uh, so, what was what did the judge supposedly convict you for? I wasn't convicted. Yeah, you said you convicted. I use the word convicted yes. recently. Uh -huh. Is that the judge says you to can't me, I can't leave. leave. Yes, it's never happened in the history of Nigeria. Probably happened to one person only, Chief Obafemi Awolowo, who was uh, detained somewhere in Lekki. Mm -hmm. He was restricted to Lekki area of Lagos. Yes. Before he was eventually convicted of treason. That was another democracy, was it? it uh, well, it was some kind of uh, quasi-democracy after independence. Right, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. When they were practicing parliamentary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Sorry, that's, government. yes. It's the first and last time it happened. Mine was the second only known bail condition that mm. required that you can't leave a city. So, mm. effectively, I'm in city detention. So, I can go anywhere in Abuja, but mm -hmm. I can't stay Leave Abuja, Abuja. Yes. 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 So, so that means, does that mean, again, for the public, does that mean that the case is, so you granted bail, but does that mean the case is ongoing? As because as if it's ongoing, I don't see any action on no, that. No, no, there's no case. So, as I'm speaking with you, uh -huh. technically there's no case. That, that's the there's confusing no case thing. going on. Mm -hmm. The judge who restricted me to Abuja abandoned the case completely after she was transferred to, um, I think, Calabar. Yes, Justice uh, Ijeoma Ojuku. Yes. She refused to continue with the case. I think she realized also what was going how on. bad the case was. And she said, you know, typically when judges are transferred like that, they are given a fair to come back and complete, you know, some of their ongoing cases. In my own case, she doesn't want to continue. So the case was transferred to another judge, Justice Eguatu. And I think it was uh, in December. Of, I can't even recall anymore. <laughs> He sat. We were not notified that I was supposed to be arraigned again. The government did not show up in court. I didn't show up in court because nobody was notified. And then he adjourns a case of this gravity until March 1 next year. First March. So technically, I don't have any case pending anywhere except I'm properly arraigned again, which hasn't happened in this case. <laughs> It's deeply. I mean, it's, it shows the 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 nature of the Nigerian state. I assume, but it's deeply frustrating because let's think about. Let's assume that you didn't have. Let's assume your livelihood, which is affected in any case. You know, you're cut off from your family. You can't leave this the, this small city. The intent, I'm assuming, from your perspective, is just to shut you down oh absolutely <laughs> uh, I think had it been possible to kill me the night I was arrested they would have done it uh, but because even after I was arrested they denied that they were anyone's the ones who well, yes until my colleagues and the lawyer involved obtained mm. a CCTV of the hotel mm. it was on it wasn't in there that they admitted I was in their custody mm. and then Turns out, several things have happened after then. The, the plane that flew me from Lagos mm -hmm. to Abuja mm -hmm. is reportedly to have crashed in the last two years. So I 
was flown to Abuja on a non-existent, <laughs> on a non <laughs> flight, on a flight that no, the the flight the the plane eventually crashed. Right, that's what I heard. Ah, right, okay. So I was okay. transported in a rickety plane right, that would have right. crashed as well. Right, right, I get yes. you. I think it's either the one that crashed in Abuja or the one that killed the chief of army staff in Abuja. Right. That's the plane that brought me to Abuja. Right. And since I've been in Abuja, you know, you can see a mark on my face. My face was, I was attacked brutally one night, mm. uh, the, the crossover night of 2020 and 2021 by a police officer. And he almost killed me. And I've been shot at by another police officer. You saw that video. Gun. Yeah, I saw that. Uh, I've also been attacked twice now by non-state actors mm. at the premises of the federal high court. Courts, yes. So all of these things are plotted into, is, is part of a larger plot of elimination. You know, you can call it the elimination series. First, they go after my physical liberty. Secondly, they went after what is supposed to be my business, mm. the Sahara reporters. They mm. surrounded the offices of Sahara Reporters Media Foundation, yes, where Ikeja. they thought we were publishing from mm. in Nigeria for several months and weeks, mm. and froze all the accounts related to my personal account and the business account, and then engaged in all these physical attacks. Mm. And of course, you can imagine the psychological part of it of being trailed everywhere I go to in Abuja mm. sometimes, not being able to stay in a place you know, without suspecting people, you know, strange people moving around. So it's all holistically an attempt to just completely shut me down mm. and shut me up mm. and shut me out of my country. Shut you down, shut you up, shut you out. out yes. Okay, I, I have to ask this. The, each time you, you share these videos, or especially, I remember especially when you shared the video um, of... Um, the gunshots, alleged gunshots to your thighs, the police or government spokespeople or government actors on some level say you're exaggerating, lying or being dramatic. I mean, I was shot at in front of a camera. Mm -hmm. I identified the officer who shot me. Mm -hmm. I identified exactly when he was bleeding. Mm -hmm. I was taken to two hospitals in Abuja the first one they didn't have the capacity to treat me immediately because my lap where I was shot, my tire was swelling mm. uncontrollably. I ended up in a hospital around here. So I was treated so that it could be verified that I was shot at mm -hmm. with a riot gun. Mm. So what is the exaggeration? Yeah. There? But of course it has become part of the strategy of this government to not only commit atrocities of this nature but justify it or try to cover it up. Mm -hmm. And they have an army of propagandists, trolls, you know, uh, catawellers mm -hmm. all over the place who are willing to change the narrative as quickly as possible. possible. If I was killed, they would claim that I killed myself. Because mm. that's, that's the goal. So, and they've done several things also, psychologically, mm -hmm. that could in under normal circumstances for somebody to think of to think about taking their own life. Taking their own life. What kinds of things psychologically? Oh, you know, when I was detained with the DSS, you know, I was kept in isolation for so long and without information right. that you know 
their goal was to make me feel that I'd been abandoned and forgotten. Mm -hmm. And when I was released, coming to the courtroom to abduct me mm -hmm. and then taking me back to the DSS and putting me in isolation again mm -hmm. and telling me that it's over. You saw we abducted you in front of a judge and the country is happy about it. Mm -hmm. You know. And then subsequently after I release every other thing that has been done to me, being isolated from your family, your kids, and then getting your brother killed right. in the midst of all this. So you're accusing the federal government of doing that? Oh, um, who is responsible for crime, mm. mostly, against people who are opposed to the government? Mm. It's the government. If anybody has an interest in killing me, it will be this government. Mm. If anybody killed my brother without explanation, my first suspicion mm. or accusation legitimately will go to the government. Till mm. date, they have not even called my family back regarding the investigation. Mm. Even when we were trying to do autopsy, mm. they were making it hard to do so that we won't find out how he was killed. And then one night they sent me some pictures of people they claim were arrested and they said they were going to parade them. Just like, you know, a month after my brother was killed. Till date, nothing has been heard about that investigation. And there was not even a pronouncement made by the police. I started blaming my brother about his uh, murder. They blamed him for not stopping, according to them, when the assailants stopped him. Wow. That was the position of the police commissioner in Edo State and the spokesperson till date. So you can imagine mm. uh, if I'm investigating this, mm. where I will start from. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Okay, one more question because I, if I talk about the actual course itself, you were for a few weeks ago, I think, you were in the Federal High Court again yes. um, observing the Nandi. Kind of trial yeah. where you where you where where you were allegedly um, attacked by non-state actors, but the, some people would say that if this government really wanted to shut you out and shut you down, then you wouldn't be working freely in Abuja. Like, look at what they did to Nandi Kano. Look at what they've done to Sunday Boho. That surely that the circumstance your freedom yes. stands against the accusation that they want to shut you down. Well, you are saying that I'm free, mm. which is incorrect. Mm. I am mm. not free. So I took a decision mm -hmm. to free myself. Mm. Yes. And it was a decision that was a hard one to take because I knew the dangers involved and continued to feel free mm. to do what I absolutely believe in to be so right. What do you mean by you took a decision to free yourself? How? Well, I could have decided, based on the circumstances surrounding me, mm -hmm. you know, their own um, machinations, mm. to just hide inside a room mm. and never go out mm. and never talk again mm -hmm. and try, according to their own, uh, own machinations, mm -hmm. to appeal or apologize to them. Mm -hmm or even switch over completely to their own side. Mm -hmm. But I refused and decided that I'll continue living my life as a bona fide 
a citizen of Nigeria. Mm. And this happens when people have conscience mm. and when they have conviction mm. that regardless of the dangers involved in your work, mm. you will go to where you need to be to promote what you believe in. Mm. I have watched some footage of Martin Luther King traveling in Chicago when he was won by the whole world. And as he was going for his event, they were shooting in the air. Mandela was in exile, traveling, and he decided <coughs> to go back home at a point. That comes from a place of this personal space of freedom, mm. where you just shut everything else out. Mm. In this case, particularly fear. Mm. And you go about doing what you have to do. Mm. So, mm. if the kind of strategy were to work, mm -hmm. I could have left. Mm. You know, mm. I would have found my way out of this country. Mm -hmm. There are probably, you know, a thousand and one borders through which you can escape from Nigeria uh, and just leave. Mm. You know. So why are you here? I'm here because I believe in here. I don't want to go and save another country. Mm. I want to save my own country. Uh, and I've always understood that it would take a lot of sacrifice mm. to do that. And you cannot trade in the currency of the oppressor. Mm. If you are a projector of freedom mm. and the currency of the oppressor is fair. Hmm. The current self of the oppressed. tyrant mm -hmm. is to instill fear in you. Yes. The moment you get over that, you get to that point that I just described to you a while ago, mm -hmm. the place of personal freedom. Mm -hmm. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. I want to explore that a bit. But before that I want to ask, you know, part of doing this interview first and foremost, I'm I can't pretend not to I was part of an editorial board a few years ago that announced you as you know person of the year so i can't pretend not to have some kind of opinion on what's going on as far as that action is and i was an active part of that board i agreed with that decision um so i've always wanted to talk to you but you know, part of speaking to you is i made a promise to my chiropractor yeah. you know i met with him twice a month mm. and he's always asking me how far we show away? <laughs> and he said, this is, I mean, if he's, he's going to watch this, because I'm going to tell him to watch yeah. it. And he says, you guys can't abandon him there. Mm. What are you guys doing? So he's always, so I said, you know what? I'm going to. Yeah. Do the, I plan to do this interview. I'm going to find out. But the question he asked is, which is what I want to ask you. This country, mm. is it really worth this amount of sacrifice? Can it really change? We've had... You've mentioned MLK. Yes. MLK lived a short life. Yes. You know, but before 1972, Civil Rights Act was passed, yes. you know. Um, you mentioned Nelson Mandela, yes. you know. Segregation began to move the goalposts, move the goalposts until he was released. So they yes. could see incremental change. Yes. The things that you are fighting for, you know, you know, good, there's, there's a six or seven points demand where you announced the revolution now hashtag in 2019 i think there was a list of demands those things there are so many people in the country that do not believe that they will ever happen in this country yes so what's the point well 
there are so many people who didn't believe that blacks <coughs> would ever vote in the U.S. Mm. There are so many people who didn't believe that women mm. would ever vote or have some kind of mm. equality with men in several <coughs> societies. Mm. There are people who swore that appetite would never end. Mm. In mm. fact, the eve of appetite, some had to commit suicide because they said they can't live the shame of accepting the segregation yeah. in South Africa. And in fact, I would tell you that the demands that you saw mm -hmm. were completely ephemeral, you know, compared to what I want to see. <laughs> uh, you know, the demands. It down. Yeah, it's, it's because we had to break it down to the populace at that mm -hmm. point so that. You know, you don't overwhelm them with demands that, as you have mentioned now, mm -hmm. or insinuated, are unachievable. Mm -hmm. So you have to speak to things that they can relate with. Mm -hmm. you know, the children going to school, good roads, employment, mm -hmm. you know, good hospitals. Mm -hmm. But Nigeria's problem is bigger than those things. Mm -hmm. First, I would um, throw away the constitution. But the moment you start going there, people are like, wow, you know, it's like you want to end... <laughs> you want to end the religion, mm. uh, and yeah. I'm telling you, Nigeria is a religion. Hmm. Yes, Nigeria is a religion. Yes. It's a religion of oppression. Mm. It's a religion of deception. Mm. It's a religion of subjugation, um, and it's a religion of a disease known as Stockholm syndrome. Mm. You know, it has been around for so long. People have become conditioned to accepting, cuddling, and embracing the worst form of oppression. Mm. To the point that you can count on Nigerians to defend their oppression. <laughs> Especially when it's about to crumble. Each time we go close to mm. an end to a system of subjugation in this country, it's Nigerian people sometimes the majority of them who come around and defend the sustenance of the warped system. Mm. And I've seen on two occasions those things happen here. Mm. I saw it when June 12th was around and I saw it in 1999 before I left. Nigeria was was handed with the cap launch in 1993 mm. to change course with mm. the election of Abiola. Forget about Abiola's character. Mm. It was a political change mm. that was taking Nigeria in a different direction. direction. But somehow, everybody was manipulated to believe that that pillar wasn't the messiah, you know. Mm. There's something still bigger. It's just like that famed, you know, uh, tale about the hunter who killed every animal <laughs> in the forest. And one day, he was looking for this animal called elephant, he brought elephant home, and everybody said, now you can retire. And he said, no. There is still a bigger animal. He went back into the forest and never made came it back. back. That's Nigeria for you. That's why I say Nigeria mm. is a religion. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it is also a religion because the whole world had come to believe in Nigeria as a failure. Mm. To the point that it is studied, it is predictable, it is historical, and it's spiritual. <laughs> The failure in Nigeria has got a spiritual dimension to it. Mm -hmm. It possesses people. It possesses people. Yes. I guess, I, I, you know, it's like sometimes when I see politicians say, 
you know, and, um, the, the corporate existence of Nigeria is non-negotiable. Yeah. Or sometimes you hear people who, who were agitate, agitators on one side mm -hmm. get into government. So you see people who, especially the APC government, yeah. you see people who were on this side of issues with restructuring, with, you know, mm -hmm. devolution of powers, you know, whatever language they use. Yeah. Flip over to this other side, and the language they get into the villa yeah. or the place, and the language transforms into it's non-negotiable, it's indivisible. Well, you know, it is CTC. And it strikes me as is this? There's, it's while you're saying it, there's a religion. Yeah. Once so, you're tapped into what is a religion? Mm. What is religious? It's a set of belief. Mm. <laughs> mm. beliefs. Mm. Mm. And one of the beliefs of those people who mm -hmm. get in control of Nigeria mm -hmm. is the belief that Nigeria's uh, Nigeria is indivisible mm -hmm. you know it's it's an entity that cannot be negotiated mm -hmm. and you know it's also a general belief that Nigeria can never be better mm -hmm. which you mentioned earlier so this set of beliefs are what governs on the country called Nigeria yeah uh, so and the moment people get into that through deception, subterfuge, mm -hmm. and also the spread of myth, mm, myth uh, yes. then they go exactly there to do what they do. Yeah. And don't also forget that in religious circumstances, there are controlling forces, mm -hmm. gods. Nigeria has gods, mm. you know. Mm. Uh, and you can almost figure out their locations. Mm. You know, there are physical gods, mm. there are temporal gods, there are religious gods. There are political gods, there are financial gods controlling Nigeria, and they're all working in tandem uh, together to control the space mm. as a religious space. So they know what to say to the people at mm. the appropriate time mm. to get them to believe in the most stupid things mm. in the world mm. until the next set of people get back onto the wagon. It's the same set of people, by the way. So when you mention acronyms of political parties or organizations, you are dealing with the same, same set, set of people. people. Yes. They just happen to change buzzwords from time to time. <laughs> uh, they change acronyms. Mm. They change their clothes from some, some you know. So, mm. You know, there are times in this Abuja, people wear Yoruba hats. <laughs> Everybody's dressed wearing Yoruba hats. You could tell who the president is at that time. Mm. If someone comes from Niger that everywhere is wearing a everybody's wearing a bowler hat. <laughs> you know. <laughs> You know, if, and if the president is uh, Arewa, everybody's wearing Arewa hats because it's part of the religious purpose mm. that Nigeria serves. Mm. So, if anybody tells you that, so then mm -hmm. the main Western and Arabic religions mm. are ancillary to that. Mm. Mm. The real thing about mm. it is the control of, of Nigeria, oh, yeah. its resources. And his people. Mm. So whatever facilitates that is part of the cocktail. Mm. Yes. Mm. And this is what they understand mm -hmm. about people like us. Mm. Now we will come and say to you, we are not going to resolve this problem mm. by being a simpleton. Mm. You are not going to change Nigeria by collecting PVC, which mm. I call poverty verification card. <laughs> Or by voting during elections alone, and mm. not opposed to voting, that you have to dismantle what is in existence now. Mm. There has to be an eruption. Mm. You know, 
or by own by its own contract you know internal contradiction there has to be an implosion but mm. there has to be some kind of controlled demolition of the past of mm. the system before you can get to that place of comfort progress you know and prosperity that mm. everybody is looking for mm -hmm. and without doing that you're deceiving yourself and it's going to happen over and over again you're going to get deceived to that point where you are promised heaven and hell mm. and you get to the final bus stop and it will tell you that the bus stop is not here mm. because the driver that brought you has absconded mm. yes and how do they abscond the way you mentioned being in apc being in the opposition and you are the driver and then when you discover that they've got the, the the vehicle is running out of gas <coughs> you abandon it are you going to join the other the other bus? Because I've been issued the bus that you told people would take them to the promised land mm -hmm. wasn't going in any direction close to that. You knew it. Mm -hmm. So, so it mm -hmm. requires a deeper understanding mm -hmm. and a deeper level of sacrifice. And you know that you're not just going to get it done by scratching it on the surface. Mm -hmm. So. And it was easier for me to do because I had been around the system for some thirty yes. two years now. Yes. Yes. So I've I've seen it all. Yeah. I've been through it all, you know. Uh, but I've never been a partisan uh, person. But I've been politically active for thirty years, mm -hmm. starting from when I got admitted as a freshman to the University of Lagos, Lagos. in nineteen eighty nine. Yes. Yes. So. Okay. Break it down. Mm. You said that it, what is the revolution that you want? Describe it. What is the thing that you want to see? And how do you want to get there? The revolution I want to see mm -hmm. is very clearly defined. Mm -hmm. I define it to the point that it's part of court records. <laughs> 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 you know, I've told security agents, mm. I've told interrogators, I've told mm. prosecutors, I've told it to a judge, mm. you know, I've told it to everybody that cares to listen, mm. that this country needs to experience an uprising, mm. mass uprising, and for it to happen, which is how it is to get there, is for people to abandon the fear they have, jettison the fear they have of the system. Mm -hmm. And also for those of us who are driving it to accept that people can enter the revolutionary process mm -hmm. from their different levels of consciousness. Mm -hmm. So everybody don't have to be sure. You don't have to be as aggressive as I am. Mm -hmm. But for everybody to have an understanding and the education and the consciousness that without this uprising happening, mm -hmm. we are going nowhere. A lot of people have described it in different ways, to the point that August 5th, 2019, when the Revolution Now event was supposed to happen, mm -hmm. there were five million searches on Google mm -hmm. of the meaning of the revolution. Mm -hmm. I don't know whether it was by Nigerians or mm -hmm. everywhere in the world people were asking. Mm -hmm. But it's very clear. You can ask those five million people, 
what did they find out mm. when they searched mm. and asked for the meaning of a revolution? revolution? I've never hidden it. Mm. You know, I've just found out that a lot of people are still in that escape mode. Mm. Like, how are we going to do it? Yeah. If we do it, mm -hmm. what's happening next? Yes. And that's a legitimate question. question. Yes. Yes. It's, what happens next? Because mm -hmm. a lot of people are comfortable with what they are familiar with. And it's a Nigerian thing too. And that's why Nigeria has remained like this for so long. Mm. The political class or the elites can predict that Nigerians don't like to take risk of a political nature. Mm. Uh, Nigerians will take other kinds of risk. Mm. They will risk their entire savings on an unpredictable investment <laughs> but they don't like to take political risk of mm. unpredictable nature mm. they are more comfortable with political risk that they can calculate the outcome mm. so even if we produce the worst experiences for them they're largely comfortable with that and the political class understands that very well mm. in fact to the point that they keep asking themselves they keep wondering, I won't say they, they keep wondering when they will run out of luck. Mm. Mm. And they've never run out of luck, so mm. they've organized themselves around that understanding. Yes. So, still, I still want to break it down a yes. bit. So, if there's an uprising, yes. I'm going to ask about the nature of the uprising, but if there's an uprising, yes. that means a, that means an, an overthrow of the present government or not. It's not the government that matters so, alone. Okay. It's the order. So what does that mean practically? So I want to explain it practically. So there's an uprising. What is this order? And how will it be overthrown? Yes. If people decide that they can no longer tolerate a system of oppression, mm -hmm. of subjugation, mm -hmm. that is particularly disorganized. Mm -hmm. Because I've asked myself several times, what is government in Nigeria, considering mm. that everywhere else I've been in the world, mm. you can't compare even the worst form of democratic government mm. with that of Nigeria, mm. you know. So it's like asking to build on virgin land, because mm. in reality, nothing really exists here. You know, I've been to local governments and asking, what do you guys do? Mm. They don't even know what it is. Mm. They know that they collect allocations mm -hmm. and share it month end. Mm. I, I mean, at the end of the month, and the chairman disappears. Mm -hmm. uh, what do the governors really do? Mm. Uh, they collect allocations. When it's not enough, they borrow from banks, mm -hmm. you know, at exorbitant rates, mm. share it amongst themselves, and disappear. Mm. If there's noise, you know, they do some superficial things mm. to make people feel that something has been done. Other than that, I don't see what you can call a state government in Nigeria. Mm -hmm. If you ask of the federal government, mm -hmm. it's even more befuddling because these are a bunch of jokers mm -hmm. in reality who just sit around Praise one man to high heaven, Mr. President, Mr. President, uh, allocate resources supposedly to the people, but mostly to themselves. 
And at the end of the tenure, everybody disappears with their own chunk of what they can steal. There is nowhere in the world, including Afghanistan, mm-hmm. that this is done. So that system, mm-hmm. whatever you call it that is in existence now, mm-hmm. is what needs to be uprooted. Mm-hmm. And whatever you put after that, and I mean this categorically, mm-hmm. no matter what happens after whatever the system is uprooted, mm-hmm. it will be better than the non-existent system that we practically know doesn't exist, but we claim exists. You really believe that? Yes. Because people will say we've tried that. You know, Adokini Faji, Mutala Muhammad, no. all these guys tried that. No, why are you mentioning people <laughs> who were acting on impulse? Hmm. No. I mean, if I were to become the president of Nigeria today, I wouldn't name a street after any former leader of Nigeria. Hmm. I wouldn't name a broomstick after them. I mean, how do you call the Muritala Muhammad a hero hmm. when he couldn't cross from Asaba? You know, to nature, three different times with one thousand soldiers, <laughs> he ruined their lives right there. You know, <coughs> even in the sense of the military, mm-hmm. Boy Scouts do better than that. But it's part of the problem. Mm-hmm. Who is questioning that? You know, who is mm-hmm. questioning his history mm-hmm. and how many times he failed? Adekunle uh, Fajui. You know, they were doing the same things that these people are doing now. But this is. Like, what you call the advanced f- uh, fee fraud, you know. Mm. You know, I'll call this one advanced governance fraud. <laughs> they just repackage over time mm. and gotten people used to the lies they tell, mm. you know, the bogies that they put out there, mm-hmm. that they call government, they call projects, they call policies. Mm-hmm. And people believe that. Mm. People believe that. You have a legislative system in this country. Mm-hmm. But walking through the place, there are a bunch of contractors. Mm-hmm. You can barely find a senator who doesn't have a company that he contracts with at the National Assembly. Mm-hmm. You can barely find a senator who is not into extortion of MDAs, you know, ministries, mm-hmm. departments, and agencies of government. You can barely find a senator or a House of Rep member who is not engaging in budget pardon, how do you call that government? So what I'm saying in essence, so that this is not too diversionary, Mm -hmm. is that that system has to be completely uprooted. Mm -hmm. And whatever comes after that Mm -hmm. would have a semblance of order. But the advantage of a revolution is this. Every country, and this is historical, Mm -hmm. verifiable history, that has had a revolution, Mm -hmm. never usually go back to where they're coming from. It has always been a progressive part to something different because revolution is like an indemnity. Mm. You know, you owe it a duty mm. not to trigger what caused the last one. Mm. In France, they had a revolution, I think it was uh, 1789. Mm. It was their first revolution. 100 mm. years later, they came back and tried to reverse the gains of revolution. Another one happened. Mm. And since then, nobody ever tried to do what they used to do in that family yeah. that led the revolution to happen right. in France. Um, I'm not saying that mm-hmm. there won't be forces that could reverse revolutionary gains, mm-hmm. but why are we here? Is it not because we have developed over time, mm-hmm. technologically, 
that we learn from the mistakes of the past and when mm -hmm. we get to you know uh, where we want to make our own mistakes we have volumes and volumes of mistakes to refer to and say right. we're not going to repeat this i want to push back a bit on yeah. the examples you shared because i do agree with you you know france didn't go back you know uh, the united states a lot of nations yeah. but then our backyard doesn't seem to support that thesis people will point to Liberia, they will point to Sierra Leone, they will point to... Those places did not have revolutions, they had war. War is different from revolution. But wasn't it because, because of a revolution that it, it devolved into no, war? No, no. Liberia never had a mass uprising. It was Charles Taylor and his people who went to Ivory Coast, met Hofo Boyer. Mm -hmm. Hofo Boyer was probably one of the richest African warlords mm -hmm. but he never really fought it well but he was funding a lot of wars yeah and he gave them money mm -hmm. in a container to go over through uh samuel do it wasn't the people that did it Sierra Leone did not have a mass uprising of people it was the same thing in fact in Sierra Leone, there were you know inf there was information that gaddafi could have been involved mm -hmm. in that so Somebody sitting down in Libya mm -hmm. or Ivory Coast, mm -hmm. causing a change of government or mm -hmm. an assassination of a leader, mm -hmm. it's not the same thing as a revolution, no. And even Libya that you mentioned, that was certainly a massive no. crisis. In Libya, again, is a very good example of what is not a revolution. How so? How so is that, you know, the decision of France, mm -hmm. the U.S. and Britain, they themselves, with interest in Libya, mm -hmm to come in there and foment trouble for mm. somebody they didn't like. It's not the same thing as a revolution. It's not. Nobody can call what happened in Libya a mm. revolution. They, even scholars mm. in the West don't call it a revolution. Because they can't call it a revolution. They knew what happened, honestly. Mm. That it was the West that came. It's just like saying that colonialism is a revolution. Mm -hmm. Because what did the colonialists use as an excuse to come to Africa? Mm -hmm. They said they traveled there and they met cannibals, people mm -hmm. eating flesh. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm not saying that's the main reason. The exact mm -hmm. reason was come and take mm -hmm. over mm -hmm. resources here. Mm -hmm. But when they want to explain to their own people, they mm -hmm. say, you know, we met a bunch of cannibals there. Can we save them? Mm -hmm. You know, and they brought the church. You know, and in northern parts of several African countries, the Arabs came. Mm -hmm. So if you turn around now and call religion mm -hmm. a revolution, mm -hmm. I would disagree with you vehemently. Right. Yes. Right. Yes. Okay, I get that. I get the yeah. point of view. I don't necessarily think that the people who make the counter-argument will agree, but I get it. So let's, I want to go back to the revolution. So there's an uprising. The institutions are uprooted, which they able to make it practical. You're talking about government, you're talking about business, you're talking about corporates, you're talking about the stock exchange, you're talking about religious organization, you're talking about all of these things. So people come out, perhaps in the nature of Ivory Coast, <laughs> they chase all these people out. Then what happens next? I want you, I want you to describe it. Yes, yes. Very, very clear. Mm -hmm. I'll give you a small example. Okay. Answers. Right, right, yes. What was the grass of the people? Mm. Police brutality. brutality. Mm. It was sparked by a known event mm. 
the guy whose video led to answers mm. wasn't even killed. Mm. Mm. But there had been this anger against police brutality. Mm. But again, for students of history, mm. those of us who were looking at it knew it wasn't police brutality. Mm. It was mass discontent mm. in the country. Mm. Mm. And mm. people were just looking for outlets. With NSAS, <coughs> had it continued for two weeks more, mm. a lot of people would have run away from this country, mm. so-called elected officials. Mm. And the people were already organizing themselves. The officials? No. Okay. The ordinary people. Right. People were already feeding themselves on the streets. Mm. Mm people, young people mm. that you've never heard about before, mm -hmm. started accounting for how they collected and were spending money. Mm -hmm. Something that National Assembly hasn't done. I'm just giving small examples mm -hmm. of how mm -hmm. these mm -hmm. things catalyze. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Because, and there's already faith mm -hmm. and belief in how it was being organized. The system was already also identified its own leaders. Mm -hmm. As that revolt was going on, mm -hmm. there were young people that others waited for the next day. If they don't show up, they don't start. And that was happening across the country. That shows to you mm -hmm. that every society has a good understanding of the good leaders it has. Mm -hmm. What you then do next is that there is in a period of revolt, mm -hmm. an opportunity for good to rise over evil. How? As bad as even this country is, mm -hmm. and I admit it, and I know this will be a little bit of controversy, that you know there are good policemen, mm -hmm. <laughs> but they never get transferred to where the areas of competence will affect the force. Mm -hmm. There are good soldiers mm -hmm. who know how to defeat Boko Haram. But as long as they are not interested in prolonging the war, mm. they are either kicked out or sometimes outrightly killed. Do you know that there are good judges mm. in the judiciary, but they never put them in the so-called lucrative divisions mm. because you cannot call them on the phone and ask them to survive the cost of justice. Mm. So they keep managing within the system. What a revolution do or mm. does as it throws open the prison mm. that's that's been holding bad holding good people. Mm. And you'll be surprised how suddenly they could come together or come out mm -hmm. and a belief system will rise mm -hmm. that will place them where they need to be temporarily. Mm -hmm. And when that temporary process is over, then people have the free hand to redesign the path for the future. Mm. Mm. This is hmm. what has happened everywhere there's hmm. been a revolution. Hmm. There has not been a country where there's an uprising, including even, you know, the less respected Arab uprising, or Arab Spring, as they call them. Mm -hmm. When the uprisings were over and leaders were overthrown, there were people mm -hmm. who continued. There right. were people saddled with responsibility because that is raw democracy right there mm, mm. said you know you are the good person we trust you mm. 
take over the judiciary for now. Mm -hmm. You are the good person because we are talking about the force of the masses now. You, let's have an interim government of national unity. Mm -hmm. And you have a task and duty to do this mm -hmm. for this period of time. That's been the case everywhere. Of course, I get where the skepticism is yeah. coming from. We are going to quickly enter into, oh, the diversity of Nigeria. Mm. <laughs> The religious makeup of Nigeria. The fourth line. The fourth line. The Muslim North and the, the Christian Muslim South. The Christian South. It's part of the bogey that has been sold over these years as part of the Nigerian religion that mm. I tell you. Mm. To make people believe that nothing can ever work. Mm. Because the people who are pushing these narratives and these positions, they themselves, when you look into their lives, don't even have any Christian blood in their, in their system. They have no Muslim inclinations. They're just people who freely use whatever tools and weapons that is available to confuse and mm. control mm. people. And they have done so well at mm. it. Mm. But when that opportunity comes, it will then come to a just during mm. answers when they found palliatives in a warehouse mm -hmm. and when that liberation of the palliatives were taking place there was no muslim or christian right right and this is just that people have said they already it's have a, been divided uh, into two yeah it's a hot spot it's a hot spot how was it that yeah the most collaborative yeah action of our common humanity mm -hmm. ravaged by hunger mm. was carried out in that, mm. in a warehouse in Jos, people were climbing through the roof. Every crevices they could find, they <coughs> entered the warehouse to take what belonged to them. And there was, for that day, no religious differences. Mm. And nobody has told me that the only people that appeared at that warehouse that day were Christians. Mm. No. They were human beings. Mm. And what mattered at that point mm was that common humanity. Mm -hmm. We just found what belonged to us, stolen by a few people. Mm -hmm. And nobody also has told us that the people that were hiding the palliatives mm -hmm. were Christians or Muslims Muslim. only. So I'm just giving you right. these examples that people can relate with around here. Right. To bust the myth mm -hmm. that, oh, somehow, mm -hmm. if we have a revolution, we will it just, will be it will be war. No. Yeah. What could happen if there's no revolution is war. Right. Yes. Because all of these manipulations, mm -hmm. oppressions, mm -hmm. segregation, mm -hmm. discrimination has an expiry date. Mm -hmm. And when it expires, mm -hmm. nobody can stop a conflagration from happening. of this in this country from happening. It doesn't matter how good you feel about peace. Mm -hmm. It will be pierced by conflict. Right. I guess, so I guess it, I, I, I understand it. You are talking about the equivalent of what, you know, economic theorists around the Enlightenment, when they were talking about markets, the invisible hand of the market, which yes. is that when you bring a number of human beings together, they will organically 
yeah. gravitate towards the common good. Yes. And so you're using NSAS to explain that, see where this was going. While it looked, it would have looked like chaos, counterintuitively, yeah. the people themselves created some order. Yes. And you have to trust that organic order, order. Yes. to produce good, good because we have historical parallels yes. for this. That's, so the, that's the case. It yes. is a case. Right. But it's not just the case. Okay. It was a tested hypothesis within a short time. Yes. That so did not fail anybody. Right. Don't, let, don't forget that during SARS, mm -hmm. there was introduction of chaos mm -hmm. by the state. Mm -hmm. And NSAS initially overcame that. Mm -hmm. Where NSAS had its fault, mm -hmm. which we've all discussed, and we'll continue to analyze for a long time, but I don't want to overanalyze it. It's at the point where there was a conscious decision mm. not to have leadership. Mm. 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 Know, because it had the opportunity of imagine leaders. Mm. And all that needed to happen was for that to grow mm. and to expand. And somehow, some decision makers, I don't know who they are today, mm. said, no, we don't need leaders. Even ants mm. have leaders. Hmm. No. So isn't that something about the Nigerian character then? And it wasn't a Nigerian character. It was probably naivete. What was naivete? The moment the government knew that it was getting out of hand, mm -hmm. they didn't sit back too. Mm -hmm. They started looking for leaders for mm -hmm. the movement. There's no way the, your opponent or your enemy mm -hmm. will give you leaders that will work for you. Because don't forget, the government already had a dossier of everybody who was involved in NSAS. Mm -hmm. That's why it wasn't difficult for them to start freezing accounts. Mm -hmm. They'd done their research mm -hmm. and they knew who and who could slow things down. And don't forget, there was communication going in between the states mm -hmm. and NSAS leaders or who they identified as leaders. Who the state identified. Yes. Mm. But the state did not come as a state. It came as a deeper state. Explain that. Yes. It came through its other arm. And there were business people, mm. church leaders. Mm. They started using them to reach out to mm. people who they thought were problematic. You know, convincing them mm. that, look, yes, we can make this happen. But keep your agitation to police brutality. Mm. Don't let it go beyond that. Mm. Even when the agitation had gone beyond police brutality. Mm. Mm. Because at that point, there was no question about mm. the fact that it wasn't about police brutality anymore. Mm. And the president, Buhari, realized that and said that, you know, when he was interviewed by Arise TV, mm. he said, I had the way machine to come and overthrow me. Mm. That wasn't the answers anymore. Mm. What did that tell you? He's also been prepared internally for an uprising. They were probably revving his helicopter at that point. They were about, you may need to fly out. These young people are coming. Mm. But sadly, the young people didn't make it to the gates. Was it a lack of courage on the part of the young people? No, it wasn't. And is it a lack of courage on your part to not say that? <laughs> no, I was saying that. I will send that. Because people say that activist leaders, you know, leaders, people who, are, who know historically yeah. how movements in Nigeria are infiltrated, 
are pulling back and saying to the younger people that you messed up at the points at which you should have kept going. And that in itself is a form of cowardice because you don't no, want I, to be you, disliked. You can accuse anybody of that, but not me. Mm, mm. First, I was the person that started NSAS mm -hmm. in Abuja. Mm. I led the first NSAS protest yes, that is true. to the headquarters of Nigeria Police Force. Mm -hmm. And you should go and watch my video that I predicted to them when they brought uh, Umba, mm. who was a PRO. Yes, the police PRO. Come and have a conversation. I yes. told them, we are not here for you. Yes, but there was a video of IG. that. Yes. And when he insisted, I told him, you know, your level of understanding of what is happening stops with the people you are trying to recruit as leaders of the movement, Naramali and Co., not me. He was upset. This was life. Mm -hmm. And I kept pushing because I knew that it was beyond answers to the point that I was physically attacked mm -hmm. by some of the answers. Uh, protesters. Yes, there was that source yes, where they said you are coming to take over. The states knew that if we push past that strategy mm. of restricting answers to, to police, police brutality, that they are gone. Mm. And they knew those people could do it. And mm. they knew that I was one of the people that couldn't be talked to, mm. to back down. Mm -hmm. If you pull the gun to my head, I'll keep going. Even after I was attacked, I continued participating in NSAS. I was going around this Abuja, going to villages. I even went back to the mass, you know, and I kept speaking. I was doing live broadcasts. I did interviews. You can see some of them with Dele Momodu, mm. where I said it was all right not to have leaders up to a point, mm -hmm. but it was a terrible strategy to mm. continue on that part. Right, right. So, okay, so that's, so you've called, you've called that out, right? Yes, I did call that out. Right. I also called out the sinister meetings that were going on mm. between some of the NSAS leaders. Mm. And they came after me, you know, they, mm. because, you know, they mobilized. Don't also forget that I was one of the people who mobilized some of the um, celebrities. Mm. Not in the nicest way. <laughs> <laughs> Are you talking about Bonner Boy? Yes, I had to fall out with Bonner Boy. Yes. I love him. love his music. Mm. I thought you guys are genius. But... I just also felt like music cannot just be for the sake of music. Mm. You know, if your society is falling apart, mm -hmm. you know, you cannot be entirely just a good musician. Sometimes you have to be a carpenter. Mm -hmm. You know? Sometimes mm -hmm. you have to be you know, you just have to multitask. Mm -hmm. So I also called out uh what's her name now? Uh, the popular Tiwa Savage. Right. Because she was doing this we are tired. Right. And I found out that the DSS were intimidating her, mm. intimidating uh, Don Jazzy, mm. Yemi Alade, and one DJ. They called them to a meeting and intimidated them thoroughly. Found out from a DSS source that they really? intimidating them. Because we discovered that Tiwa Savage just suddenly dropped the hashtag, we're tired. Mm. And so I kept making those efforts to make sure that they get the kind of support that they need mm. uh, to, to go, For keep the, going. Yeah. Yes. But I also understand very well mm -hmm. that celebrities can't push crowds to a revolutionary end, mm. you know, because mm. celebrities have, you know, what I try to describe as, you know, 
an energy that comes in bursts. Mm. I don't know how better mm. to. I'm looking mm. for a word to describe it. Mm. You know, mm. and they come mm. and go. They fizzle out. We saw that happen with bring back our girls. Everybody in the world was like, bring back our girls. And after a while, a lot of celebrities just start fizzling out because they don't have staying power. Mm -hmm. They have to go back to work. <laughs> <laughs> and sometimes celebrities also think that activism is an art. Hmm. You know, when people prepare for an art, they go perform it mm. and they go home, they close. Mm. But activism is not something from which you can close in the evening yeah. and say, well, I, I won't see you until tomorrow because oppression doesn't go to sleep. Mm. You know, mm. yes. Mm. Oppression also doesn't retire. So it's, an activist cannot retire. Mm. Mm. Even after Mandela left government house, mm. they made sure that he continued his activist life until he died. Mm. Up until the time that he was just there on the couch. People were visiting, you know, yeah. carrying his prison number, taking pictures. Like what's happening with Desmond Tutu? Yes, now. exactly. So you can't retire from activism. Yeah. You know. right. It's not a civil service job. Right. You know, right. It's, it's so celebrities, you can rely on them, but, you know, as a Only catalyst. Uh, but there must be an organic leadership. Right. Either it's underground or overground yeah. that pushes things to the, to to the end. end until mm. you achieve. The objectives for which you set up was set up erupted. Right. So in this case, you believe that the lack of leadership was what was what shut was what shortened the didn't lead to this base. Because you said if that didn't last just two more weeks. Yes. So if there was leadership, you see it lasting two more weeks and becoming this revolution that you were. Absolutely, I, right. I believe so. Right. You right. Know. Right. And. This defeats the theory that the North did not participate in answers. Mm -hmm. Everybody was watching, and like I mentioned earlier, they wanted to enter where their level of consciousness mm -hmm. could help them enter. So every struggle has a barrier to entry, just like business. There are times that you want to participate in a protest, but you want people to go and come back first. The next day, you that was watching the next day might be the most difficult person to control when you get involved in the next protest. Mm -hmm. That's where your level of consciousness mm -hmm. started your right. involvement. So as the so momentum kept as building, momentum was building, people began to enter from different Adamawa In the picture, mm. Kano entered into the picture at the point. Mm. Mm. Um, Jalingo was mm. getting involved. Just actually, be, apart from Lagos, except mm. if Joss is not Noto, apart from Lagos, just had some of the best organized answers, yes. you know, yes. uh, movement that mm. I saw. Yeah. They lined up yeah. in front of a barricade. Yeah. They weren't afraid, they were in thousands. Just did that in Occupy Nigeria and yes, did that did in this again. So that tells you, the question you should ask yourself is, where are the organic forces that organize those, those things? They exist, mm. but they have barriers to entry. They are mm. looking for leadership. What leadership mm. does, the leaders don't even have to be at the forefront every day. It might mm -hmm. just be that they're speaking. See, they had, answers had a radio mm -hmm. that at that time. Everybody tuned into it. Yeah. Even though at the point, the radio was lacking in messaging, mm -hmm. in my view. Right. That's my criticism of the radio. Right. But it could have gotten better. 
because more and more people were coming in i'll give you an example the day i was attacked by some NSAS protesters in front of national assembly i was coming back home after they we had resolved and they apologized and i was leaving and i was confronted by some men i don't want to mention where they came from and they said sure tell your people in lagos to shut down the airport hmm. we called lagos turns out that lagos had already started approaching the airport mm, mm, mm. eventually the, the airport was shut down delta was coming to lagos delta air went to senegal lufthansa Benin republic every international flight started the minister of fct was going to the airport in abuja he was stopped at dantata bridge he didn't go to his house i heard he went to buhari and said there's problem they said what happened he said Buhari suddenly came back alive. He said the route to the airport has been blocked by protesters. Say where are the soldiers? Say soldiers are running away from them. Hmm. In Abuja, there was an announcement of a location of a warehouse housing palliatives in Guagalada. Soldiers announced the Ministry of Information said if you go there, they will kill you. Three days later, the day that they announced they will go there, people arrived at that place and took away palliatives. Mm -hmm. They weren't afraid of soldiers. In Ilori, soldiers were helping protesters to navigate into a place where they found palliatives and said, please don't be in a hurry. Don't enjoy yourselves. Mm -hmm. Go in safely and come back out. In Lagos, vehicles owned by Nigerian police were helping themselves too with palliatives. In Kaduna, there were similar actions. What I'm telling you is that that idea was starting to spread. But do you know our best day after to, to have carried it to the next level? Mm -hmm. Please, I don't want to use the word next level as interpreted by right. this. Right. It was April 21st, uh, sorry, October 21st, 2020 was our best day. The day after the shooting at Lekki, yes. if people had risen up, hmm. Mm. The army, the security forces in the country at that and point abandoned. had overdone it mm. and also had extended their capacity beyond what could earn loyalty from everybody who is mm. in the force. Mm. Had we pushed back for the first time, soldiers might have joined us. Mm. Mm. But only an organic leadership mm. could have, could have taken advantage of that. Because the messaging could have been going around that night and yeah. saying, look, we're coming out everywhere tomorrow. Mm. It's unacceptable. Because the word had risen mm. in our support mm. that night. Mm. Mm. You know. So it wasn't a lack of courage. It was, it was a lack of leadership. It was. Leadership was... Mm. Leadership is key everywhere. Mm. Why are we in this mess in Nigeria? Leadership. So it shows to you that you need mm. leadership at every level. You know? Mm. You know, there's this joke about order hmm. that order is necessary everywhere hmm. in heaven the first rule is order in hell the last rule is order <laughs> so even in a period of chaos you need order. order you need leadership right you need organization right but two questions two yeah. tough questions if it is true that the ensas movement was going beyond police brutality was tapping into mass discontent yes. against the powers of the day then someone will say that an establishment person and by establishment I don't mean a person in government I mean just a random 
person in Abuja or Kaduna who has a fleet of shops everywhere and is afraid of chaos yes. would say that then it was legitimate for the government that was elected to ensure social order. Even if this social order is oppressive, if people voted for this order, you know, they said they want to manage their suffering and they have elected a government to maintain that order that was legitimate for that government to rise against forces that wanted to uproot it. No, it's not. How so? Oh, you're talking about elected government, mm -hmm. right? Who elected the government in the first place? The masses. It's just like there was an orderly process of election, mm -hmm. you know. Then there was going to be a disorderly process of election. <laughs> you know and you cannot just put that down mm. and where you do that you make a mistake and it's our inability to capitalize on that mistake right. that led right. them to get away with it right so the destiny of a people 200 million people mm -hmm. cannot be tied to a businessman with mm. a few shops mm. You know. mm -hmm. And by the way, nobody can point to any NSAS protester who stole mm -hmm. a matchstick from a store till today. You understand? Yes, I do. I, I understand your point. Yes. What I'm saying is that if you fly a drone in Abuja, you mm -hmm. can follow NSAS protesters. Mm -hmm. And they were plenty and they had direction. Mm -hmm. What the state is supposed to do, a proper state, is to allow its security forces to mm. protect those vulnerable areas. Mm. Mm. But it didn't have the right to put down a peaceful Up. protest. But is it possible for an uprising to ultimately remain peaceful? Yes. And SARS proved that to you. Yeah, but where, where it was going? No. Where was it going? Where was it going, you know, other than a number of young people mm -hmm. in their thousands occupying a toll gate and they did not even remove a cable from it if anything was removed from the toll gate it was done by the operators of the toll gate themselves that's in lagos mm -hmm. in abuja where i was people were sleeping in sleeping bags mm -hmm. in front of the central bank of nigeria and then the state in brought in non-state actors to start attacking them burning their you know equipments and killing somebody in abuja in that case so you tell me where the organized NSAS protesters went to loot a shop. Nobody can point that to you. None. Right. Yeah. Okay. And you can't put it beyond the state that to blackmail NSAS protesters, they were the ones looting shops. Mm. After all, they are looting a country on a daily basis. So what's a shop? <laughs> That's a quotable quote. Yes. <laughs> so I guess that answers the second part of it, which is that if you are calling for an uprising against the present order, which includes Nigerian government, then doesn't that, in fact, fit the description of treason? No. Why not? If it did, they would have been able to prove treason by now. <laughs> it shouldn't difficult to prove. It shouldn't be difficult to prove it. Mm. You know, after two years. Mm. Mm. All yes. right, that's a fantastic answer. Okay, I want to talk about you know the toll that this is taking on your family. I mean, a year ago, or so. Your wife led protests, you know, I think to a, I forget his name, a senator, Bob Mackenzie, yes. I think. No, no, yes. Yes. And I mean, I remember seeing this beautiful video of you with your daughters, you know, driving on a road trip, you know. 
you know, because before then, I mean, I know intellectually that you have a family. <laughs> but, you know, you can know something as a fact. But I now realize, wait, sure, is actually a family man who loves his daughters and takes care of his family. Don't you worry about, about I don't know, leaving them behind if the Nigerian state concludes what you say it's his mission in your matter? Doesn't that give you pause? You know, I consider it a privilege that I have an immediate family. But a bigger privilege that I have a nation or a country as my family at this time. Hmm. Yes. Um, hmm. You see, when you do, when you get to this level of activism, there are boxes you must tick. And that's why sometimes it's important to read what mm. has happened in other places and happened to other people. Mm. And families are great targets, you know, either physical targets of, you know, yeah. the state. You know, I, I think what can be more traumatic than what happened to Malcolm X? Mm. To be shot and killed in front of your wife mm. and kids. Mm. Mm. Okay. But it happened. And the world moved on. Hmm. But the world was a better place hmm. because that happened. What about MLK that we all talk about today? Hmm. Yeah. You can try everything you want to be with your family. <coughs> but you lose your humanity when the majority of the people of your country can't be with their family. And let me say this. You know, you can be physically be with your family and not be with them. If you have no money to take care of your family, mm. even though you are in their presence or they're always in your presence, you're not with them. If you send your children to school and you're not sure that they will make it back from the hands of bandits and kidnappers, you're not with your family, even though you live with them. Mm. If you live in a house that's unsafe to the point that anybody can walk into the place, take your kids away, you know, uh, kill them, eat them, as they did in somewhere in Casino. <laughs> we had a few days ago where there was a naming ceremony, and the bandits got there and they said, "What are you guys doing?" So we're naming a child, it's, you know, and they threw the child into yeah. a hot soup yeah. cooking yeah. and they asked everybody to eat the child. I mean, what can be worse than that? Mm. You know, the family that we need to have is that family that is in need of help. Mm. I really think that this is a difficult argument to make. You know, it's a difficult argument to make. Actually, most people didn't think that I had a family until I was arrested. And they saw my wife. And they saw that I have kids. Because activism had made me get used to walking a lonely path. Mm, 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 so, mm, and mm. but at the end, the truth is that you have a family. Mm. You have people that are categorized as loved ones, mm. and they miss you. Uh, my wife called me one day and said, "You gotta talk to your son." And you know, I talked to him. He's been sick, mm. and he said, "Daddy." When am I going to see you? And I said, you know, right now I can't come. He said, but you got to come see me because I'm not feeling too well. It gets you. 
her. Meanwhile, the mother had tried to make him understand over all these two years that, you know, your dad will be home. They've explained everything to them when they let him go. But it got to a breaking point for him. He said, Daddy, you got to come see me and I need you to come now. But I can't leave, you know. Mm. And that part gets you emotionally. But that's also part of what the state wants. Mm -hmm. They're looking for things that can break you down. Mm, mm, emotionally. Mm. Well, what you mentioned importantly um, in this question is the question of life. Mm. It's like, what if they take you away? Yeah. Uh, I just think that um, life is only useful if it serves a purpose. Mm. Mm. And um, I know this sounds a little tacky because you hear it all the time, mm -hmm. but it has always been my hope that I'll live a very purposeful life. Mm. That's not to say that a life should be taken from me uh, intentionally, but if it is, so be it. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. I almost feel like I should end the interview at that point. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> but I, just some housekeeping. <laughs> yeah. Just some housekeeping. Um, that's powerful. Yeah. That's powerful. Um, you believe. You believe. But the majority of Nigerians want this thing that you are fighting for. Do you believe that? Honestly? I've never seen anywhere in the world, never read anywhere in the world mm. where everybody was prepared for the same cause. Mm. You, know? you know, sometimes it might just be that you came here, you know, to mark the red line mm. that shouldn't be crossed. Mm. It may not happen during your lifetime. Mm. Mm. But if anything I did, anything I said, powers people to the point that they can live a life that is not so jaundiced. Mm. Yes. Mm. You know, if there's life after that, I'll be happy. Mm. I'll be happier if it happened. Why you here? You know, see, people who do my kind of work don't usually live this long. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So, I think I read somewhere when Malta King died and they went for his heart during autopsy and the doctor said, you know, this guy's heart is heavy. Mm. He was uh, not even 40 yet, but yeah. his heart was that, like that of a 79-year-old man yeah. of some old age. So, but you mm. know, everybody is carrying that burden too, mm. including those who don't believe we are all trapped 
inside the Sabinese mess and it shouldn't be that way yeah yeah and people don't have to die mm -hmm. to live a great life yeah some don't have to die for others mm -hmm. to mm -hmm. live a great life we're just not there yet yeah so it's not what i believe them or mm -hmm. not mm -hmm. it's that i just believe that i gotta play my part yeah but there's a quality of opinion i've seen everywhere though mm -hmm. that this is not the life every anybody should be living <laughs> so maybe that's strong enough mm -hmm. to make me think there's need for someone to throw their to run in themselves on the front lines for this to change this cause yeah this wrong totally wrong cause it's just so sad to live like this my final question yes my final question because strangely enough i'm thinking to myself that a lot of the intellectual I have a lot of intellectual questions but the real questions driving those specifics have already been answered yes. you know and i feel it here the final question is it's almost pedestrian to ask this after all this conversation we've had yes. But I think that I should. Will you run again in 2023? I'm going to give you a pedestrian answer. I never stopped running <laughs> since 2019. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's a good one. That's a good one. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure uh, sitting here with you hmm. and having such a... Uh, an interesting conversation so thank you for doing what you do too thank you thank you